Would you turn please to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Oh sorry, verse uh, 26, excuse me. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself uh, to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I? except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scriptures which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now verse 39 And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now, please, chapter 9 and verse 3 concerning Saul. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now please chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Verse 6, he Lodgeth with one Simon a Tanner, whose house is by the seaside, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now, please, we will turn over, keep on in chapter 10, uh, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that 
feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him the word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ he is Lord of all that word I say ye know which was published throughout all Judea and beginning from Galilee after the baptism which John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him verse 43 to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins verse 18 of chapter 11 it's uh, when Peter uh, recounts what happens in Caesarea and he goes back to Jerusalem uh, verse 18 when they heard these things they held their peace and glorified God saying then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life now before we look at those three chapters three distinct events I think it would be helpful if I told you how God reached and saved me it's always a good thing to be able to tell of the grace of God you remember how uh, that when the people were numbered in the desert each man had to declare his filiation or his sonship he had to say from which tribe he was and who his family was and of course there was the half shekel of silver half shekel of silver now so it's a good thing isn't it to be able to tell something of who we belong to I was brought up in a Roman Catholic family in the south of England I lived in a small village six or seven hundred population and as you may know England was is very much Protestant Church of England and the Catholics are in a minority and in that little village of the six or seven hundred population there were only 30 Catholics and every Sunday there were 30 Catholics at Mass we had a, a siege mentality we believed that we were better than the others anyway so but really I suppose as I grew up went to school and I became increasingly indifferent to these matters and uh, when I found that work was very hard to find in that part of England the county of Dorset uh, I like many boys joined the forces I joined the Royal Navy why I don't remember the details but I joined and was sent to the Royal Navy's signal school to learn radio communications and you know I loved it I enjoyed the comradeship the discipline the, the job I was learning radio communications it was a fascinating job plenty of money in my pocket and you know life was just great sometimes people say you know you know, so and so he got saved well you know he was so, so messed up in his life that uh, really he really needed the gospel well humanly speaking I didn't need anything I had all that I wanted with a great career ahead of me and then one evening I was on my way back 
to the signal school I had missed the last bus and somebody picked me up and uh, gave me a lift back to the signal school and uh, that was a very uh, very impressive that encounter with that man no he didn't speak to me about my soul he didn't preach the gospel he was just drunk and within a few minutes we had crashed into a wall and I had gone through the windscreen there were no seatbelts at that time well I wasn't seriously injured but I re- I, the question came to my mind now if I had died in that wreck of a car where would I be now? and you know I had no answer I, as I say, I was brought up in the Roman Catholic religion. I knew what Rome was teaching about these things, and I knew that, well, you know, I'd have to go to purgatory, and uh, somebody would have to pray for me, and, and so on, you know. And I knew there was no answer there, but where to find the answer? And I somehow had a, a conviction, I don't know why, that I would find the answer in the Bible. The Bible. I didn't have a Bible. You know, when I was young, we weren't even allowed to read the Bible. Couldn't understand it, you see, so we were told. But I had this conviction. Now, where would I find a Bible? There in the, in the Royal Navy, you know, sailors don't usually have Bibles. Well, I thought the Protestants, they have the Bible. I'll go and see the Church of England chaplain, Reverend Fulton. I remember his name. And I went to see him in his office and I said, now, uh, you know, I, I have a question for you. And I told him my story and I said, now, uh, tell me, sir, uh, in the Bible, is there something which tells us how to go to heaven? And he looked at me. He said, O'Hare, he said, tell me, how old are you? well sir I'm 18 uh, you know, I'm soon 19 I'm growing up you know See, O'Hare he said you're far too young for these things just go in and enjoy yourselves that was religion I thank God that in that signal school there was an instructor a chief petty officer who was different from the others and he uh, I, I met him I spoke to him and told him again my story he said I know what you're looking for and he took me down to the city of Portsmouth to the Cotner Road Gospel Hall and there I heard the gospel well you know the first time I heard it I was a little bit angry because the preacher apparently knew all my questions I had spoken to this chief petty officer Douglas Carr and told him of some of the questions were starting to form in my mind and I thought well obviously he's gone and told the preacher and the preacher is being very clever and he's answering my questions but he knows what they are already but of course I found out that was that was not the point because my questions were the same questions that you may have that you want the answer to and I thank God that there many years ago I heard the gospel of salvation and believed and was saved now I'll tell you one thing if you were to say to me now tell me brother did you repent I would have to be honest with you and say I didn't know what repentance was I'll tell you what happened just before I got saved I was going to assemblies 
going to the assembly rather attending the meetings enjoying the the company uh, enjoying the, the lovely English tea uh, and they were so kind and what a contrast to my, my background where swearing and cursing and drinking and that was our family life and I had discovered something clean something really lovely I didn't want to lose it but you see what troubled me was these people would say they were saved and I didn't understand what that meant even though I, I was going to gospel meetings and I, well, I, I may have understood but I didn't know how to be saved and I thought well now if I tell them I'm not saved then you know I can say goodbye to the, 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 the cups of tea and, and those meetings and those nice friendly people and I told them yes I'm saved but you know they didn't believe it I knew it wasn't true and God knew it wasn't true and I was very very unhappy you know I, I, I no longer wanted to go out with the other sailors as they would have an evening those sort of things no longer a attracted me but I was so unhappy and I felt that I was just completely out of touch with God I, I had a sense of guilt now alright looking back I could say well yes I, I, I repented and believed I, I couldn't have said that at that time but I was deeply deeply worried and unhappy I was a most miserable person in that radio school I'm sure of it but anyway one evening alone I was reading I, by then I had a Bible and I, was, I thought well everybody talks about John 3 and 16 so I turned to it I think it was possibly the only verse I knew between Genesis and Revelation and I read it through and I thought well how can people be saved reading that verse and then I thought well whosoever believeth in the Son and I had come to the conclusion that when Christ had died on that cross it was for me I was convinced of that that he suffered for me and I thought well I believe him and it says he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life I thought well that must be true I, and simply I just rested on what I read there in my ignorance I expected all of a sudden you know a warm glow come down from heaven and I would feel so happy no no nothing happened I thought well in my simplicity I prayed to God I said well I can't do anything else you know what I've thought and so I just left it there closed the Bible and went away I tell you the next day I knew I was saved it was a work of the Holy Spirit and I knew nothing about it that's salvation and I thank God I may have said this previously that I was saved there in Portsmouth right from the beginning I learned the truth of God's assembly was baptized there I remember when I went home told my mother I was on leave and I went home and told her I had uh, been saved and baptized she was very angry said you're a traitor you've denied your father's faith and uh, well I was away from home and so uh, it was just left at that well God has been faithful and I can say this 
Don't worry about the future. If you think, well, you know, if I accept Christ this evening, how will I be tomorrow? Don't worry about it. Just rest on Christ. He is the solid rock. He will keep you. And he'll keep you for all eternity. Now, so that's how God saved me. And, uh, well, now we'll just look at these three chapters which we've read. Acts 8, 9, and 10. Now, if you were to go back to Genesis, you remember that Noah had three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And from those three sons, we have the whole human race. And remember their descendants got together to build the Tower of Babel. And God came down and dispersed them and they could no longer understand each other. And so this created these divisions, wars, conflicts over the ages. But when we come to the book of Acts, we find something really quite wonderful. In Acts chapter 8, we have a descendant of Ham who gets saved. It's the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 9, it's a descendant of Shem, or Sem, who gets saved, the Apostle Paul. And in Acts chapter 10, we have a descendant of Japheth, the Italian, the, the centurion. He gets saved. And so what sin divided, the gospel brought together. And we see uh, the Ethiopian, we see Paul, we see Cornelius joined together bound by the blood of Christ it's lovely this evening you see you see it in a very practical way here in this assembly we have descendants of Ham we have descendants of Shem the, Euro the, the, the Asian and we have the descendant of Japheth the European joined together in one uh, through the work of the Lord Jesus now if you're not saved I would give you some advice. Be very serious about this matter. The Lord Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And your first priority in life must be salvation. There's nothing more important. We live in a world where the devil is doing everything that you might not think about salvation. You remember when the Lord Jesus was going across the Sea of Galilee and there was a great storm came up and he rebuked the waves, he calmed the storm. Now, I believe the reason for that storm was because he was going to Gadara. He was going to to deliver legion and the one who was with him who were possessed by demons and the devil would seek uh, to hinder the, the coming of Christ to deliver those men and the devil will do everything to hinder you from coming to Christ he will say well you know put it off to later on there are more important things in life whether it be schooling whether it be a career whatever there's nothing more important than the salvation of your soul. Now go in for it very seriously. What strikes me about these three men is their seriousness. The Ethiopian eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was a serious man. 
He was probably the minister of finance of Ethiopia, but he wanted to know more about God. He went to worship in Jerusalem, and he had purchased, undoubtedly, a copy or part of Isaiah's prophecy and we all know how it coming back from, from Jerusalem going down uh, towards Gaza he was reading in Isaiah the prophet but he was serious he wanted to now I don't know if you are reading your Bible if you are reading to understand what God is trying to say to you you know, some people they, they say oh I, I read the Bible every day I, I have a program and every day I read so many chapters and I go through the Bible in a year and they do it year after year and they're not saved there are many unsaved people doing that very proud of their knowledge of the scriptures our brethren were telling me that they had some gospel meetings uh, in Patterson and uh, there was a Muslim who went along and uh, they were impressed or surprised by the knowledge that that Muslim had of the Bible he was reading the Bible but he wasn't saved and you may be reading the Bible now look, read the Bible to see what God has to say to you about your sins about your future, your eternal destiny there is nothing more important this man was reading the Bible he was serious if you go to the next man Saul, a very oh, who became Paul quite a different story but he was serious as well he detested and despised the Christians and did everything he could to destroy any Christian testimony oh he was a wicked man he was a cruel man but he thought himself to be a God fearing man and we'll see something of how God saved him in a few minutes but he was serious but in the wrong way go on to chapter 10 and we have the conversion of Cornelius he was serious as well he, he was a man who was considerate was generous and his faith was not cheap as a centurion as a Roman centurion it would possibly have costed him to openly express his favour for the Jewish people that occupied people where the Roman Empire had moved in and taken over but he was serious and he wasn't concerned about what people thought now you must be serious you must, be, must go in for God's salvation be serious about the matter there's a question in the epistle to the Hebrews which has no answer how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation there's no answer to it no answer to it you see you might think this is not as important as all that you might think well you know I go to the gospel hall and uh, well I am you know uh, clean living and it's not so important because well you know uh, I believe more or less but it's all very vague that's not enough you're neglecting God's salvation there are men and women who have died because they neglected safety regulations we frequently hear stories of ferry boats in 
Indonesia in the Philippines and elsewhere and the owners neglect the safety regulations and the boat which is built to hold 200 people has 500 people on it and neglect brings death and sadness how shall we escape there's no escape if you neglect the, the salvation of God there's no hope for you so the, East, the Ethiopian he wasn't going to neglect his salvation and we see how he was reading that lovely passage in Isaiah 53 and then the question is put by Philip who hears him reading he said understandest thou what thou readest do you understand what you're reading and the man had to say well you know how can I except he said uh, some man should guide me do you understand the word of God do you understand that you in the sight of God are a lost sinner do you understand that you could be cut off and you would stand in the presence of God and it would be too late too late do you understand that now this Ethiopian he was going to understand some wonderful truths I love to see, see how that Philip when he went, got up in the chariot alongside that man oh well you know uh, I'll tell you something about Isaiah the prophet now uh, he, he lived a certain time he had these revelations he wrote a book called the prophecy of Isaiah and there are 66 chapters divided into two 1 to 39 and 40 no he didn't give him a, a lecture on theology we read what do we read I, we, I love to, to see what he did he preached unto him Jesus Jesus you know you can see the Lord Jesus right through the Bible and Isaiah 53 brings out in a lovely way the one that was smitten of God and afflicted you know when just before I was saved I was a little troubled as I read the account of the crucifixion when the Lord Jesus there on the cross he cried my God my God why hast thou forsaken me and that bothered me I had started reading the gospels and I was learning so many things I thought well here was a man he did nothing wrong he never told a lie he never had a harsh word he never uh, did anything wicked he went about doing good he healed the sick he, he healed the lame he opened the eyes of the blind he, he raised the dead he was never afraid to denounce hypocrisy and sin and when the Pharisees were attacking him he stood fast he, he stood on his ground and spoke openly and honestly the word of God I thought if ever there was a man who was faithful to God it was the Lord Jesus why did God abandon him in French we have this that, that cry of the Lord Jesus is this mon Dieu mon Dieu 
Pourquoi m'as-tu abandonné My God, my God, why hast thou abandoned me? Forsaken is a little bit old-fashioned, isn't it? But you get the idea. God abandoned his son at the cross. Why? I discovered why, I tell you, when I heard that blessed truth that in his own body he bore our sins upon the tree. And I suddenly realized what a blessed revelation it was. I understood that he had died from me. I, was, I hadn't been long saved and I didn't realize this and I learned this that when he was on the cross God turned his back on him as it were and the Lord Jesus was smitten of God and afflicted he was smitten of God for my sins dear sinner if you're not saved he realizes that he suffered for you that you might live you can't you can't pay the price that he paid smitten of God and afflicted so Philip he preached unto him Jesus what a lovely message I think of John Baptist behold the Lamb of God which bears away the sin of the world I think of the preaching of the apostles they preached Christ Paul could say uh, we preach Christ crucified he is the only one that can save you this night well we thank God for the conversion of the Ethiopian the son of Ham and he well the time came and he would have to say goodbye to Philip and so Philip was snatched away and the Ethiopian would continue his journey south to Ethiopia perhaps some would say he would have been a sad man at the end of that uh, encounter but no we, we read he went on his way rejoicing you know the Christian life is based on joy it's been said the epistle to the Philippians is the epistle of joy rejoice and joy are mentioned I think something like 19 times in that epistle but now here is the Ethiopian rejoicing we know Luke chapter 15 there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth now I know we, we would be quite happy to say well you know it's the joy over the conversion of the sinner but that is not what Luke 15 says it's rejoicing over the sinner that repents now I'll tell you this Paul tells the believers in Troas he said this is the gospel which I preached to the sorry to the Ephesian elders he says this is the gospel which I preached he said repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ in other words I see that my my guilty condition before God have you seen that and I see what Christ had done and I rest upon his finished work have you done that you see if you don't see your guilty condition in the, light, in, the, in the presence of God if you don't believe that you are really so wicked and you might not have done anything very wrong but if you don't see that you're a sinner in the presence of God I'll just close my Bible and sit down I've got nothing to say to you I wouldn't 
invites you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if you do not see that you're a sinner. There's too much of that today. People say, well, you know, all you need to do is to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, just like Paul said to the Philippian jailer, and you're saved. No, it's not quite as simple as that. That man had said, what must I do to be saved? He was, he was under conviction of sin. He was concerned. He was worried. And because... Paul was in the presence of a convicted sinner who had repented. He could tell him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So there was rejoicing. Joy in the heart of that man. Joy in the presence of the angels. Joy in the heart of God. Joy in the heart of those. Well nobody prayed for the Ethiopian. But if you believe this evening there will be joy amongst in the hearts of your friends. Of your family your home you're being prayed for and many would long to see you saved this very evening through believing on the Lord Jesus we'll move on to the second man the apostle Paul he was then called Saul in chapter 9 and we read he was a very religious man and he was a man inflamed with anger against the Christians and so we, we, we all know how he went uh, he got letters and he went off to Damascus to arrest and imprison the Christians and then on the Damascus road we read of that light which shone, shone from heaven the voice that questioned Saul, Saul why persecutest thou me well, some would say yeah he, he saw the light and I'm afraid that expression has become bandied around in a very careless way oh I saw the light I saw the light well you know in Paul's conversion there was more to it than that far more to it I believe that when the apostle Paul was on that road he was already worried about the state of his heart now outwardly he was a clean God fearing man he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees and so on you would say now that man is a good man I'd like to have that man as my neighbour I can trust him you know I could go off and uh, a bit like a Zudamus I could leave my house open you know and nobody would break in but now uh, yes I'd like to have Paul as a neighbour he was a good clean living man but he was he was a, a worried man he says this in writing to the Romans I had not known lust except the law said thou shalt not covet what does that mean that Paul through the reading of the law discovered there was something in his heart which was eating away and would have taken him down to hell he had learnt lust desiring that which was unlawful covetousness that's what it is and he realized that he had offended the law of God offending in one point he knew better than anybody that he was guilty of all oh he could say I have never stolen I have never told lies I have never committed adultery I have always observe the Sabbath ha Paul you know but 
Hasn't your eyes caused you to sin? Seeing something which you had no right to and longing for it? Your very thought of covetousness, of unlawful desire and of lust would take you down to hell and he knew it. Paul was conscious of guilt as he was on that Damascus road and all his zeal couldn't do away with that that uh, awful feeling in his conscience he was guilty before God and that light shines from heaven Lord Jesus reveals himself to him you know when Paul saw that light in the heaven that day and the voice saying Saul Saul why persecutest thou me what does he say who art thou Lord and I tell you what he really meant who art thou Jehovah he thought that shining light was a presence of the Shekinah glory shining upon him he believed that Jehovah the God the Lord God of Israel was speaking to him but he didn't know exactly why who art thou Lord I am Jesus who now persecutest and Paul discovered this tremendous truth that Jesus is Jehovah that the, the, the man he was persecuting was the very God of Israel he heard, and it was no wonder that he was trembling and astonished he fell down what a conversion and the first thing he, he does after he, he goes to Damascus he, he immediately speaks of the one who had saved him you know in writing again to the Romans he says he speaks of believing in the heart and con confessing with the mouth there are some who say well brother you know well, well you know they say uh, I, I believe I can see that Christ died for me on that cross when he was nailed there wearing that crown of thorns and the blood streaming down from those wounds it was for me I believe that right in the depth of my heart I believe it perhaps you're in that case that situation tonight but the apostle Paul speaks of confessing with a mouth I have a, a friend who served the Lord for many years in Hong Kong Michael Brown he was in the Royal Marines and he would tell how he got saved he was he was in Malaya many many years ago and uh, he would go to a gospel meeting and he, he'd hear the gospel and one night he he trusted Christ and he went back to the barracks and he went for a meal in the, in the canteen and uh, he was sitting down with his his other marines they were eating and the language of course was 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 full of blasphemy and cursing and swearing and they were taking the name of Christ in vain and Michael Bryan he, he said you know I it got too much for me he said I, I wasn't going to tell anybody I was afraid of my uh, the other soldiers or the other marines he said it got too much for me and he said to one of those marines he said look he said that's enough 
He said, because I have believed on the Lord Jesus. I don't want to hear you speaking about him in that way. They all looked in amazement. What's happened? He said, you know, he said, I knew at that point that I was saved. He confessed with his mouth. Now, if you have believed on the Lord Jesus, then tell somebody about it. Don't keep it to yourself. Well, so the apostle Saul, then he, he came to a saving faith in Christ. We move on to the third man, Cornelius. We've seen how the Philippian, uh, sorry, the Ethiopian eunuch was saved. We see the conversion of, the, of Paul, and now we see something of this man, Cornelius. Now he was a good man. You know, we would say, well, that man doesn't need salvation. He's too good. He's generous. He prays. He prays to God always. And as I mentioned earlier, he probably had a price to pay for his devotion. But that wasn't enough. Praying wasn't enough. He needed, he had something else which was lacking in his life. And God, where there is a seeking sinner, there's a seeking saviour. And the God of heaven could see that man and he was going to come in and save him and he he sent he sent him an angel told him to go and fetch Simon the apostle whose surname is Peter we read and Peter goes to Caesarea to preach the gospel to Cornelius now you know Peter is a a very interesting character he's a man who always said no the Lord Jesus when he spoke of how he would die in, in Matthew 16 it was Peter who says no Lord and the Lord Jesus has to rebuke him later on the saviour would wash the disciples feet and Peter said no Lord not my feet you remember that then we have this vision kill and eat oh Lord I, I've never eaten anything unclean but the vision comes and he realises that he must do something when the messengers come to take him and to see Cornelius and so Cornelius we see he, he preaches the gospel and Peter uh, preaches the gospel rather and uh, speaks again of Christ he says this, we read the verse, verse 43 of chapter 10, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Oh, you say Cornelius, had a, he had any sins to forgive? He certainly did. And when he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he received forgiveness of sins. And that's for you this night, this very evening. If you believe in Christ, the one that died for sinners, you take your place as a lost sinner, you believe in him, the word of God says that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. It's a simple message. It's a message for sinners. It's not a message for self-righteous people. It's not a message for people who think they're all right. 
There are many who will hear the words of the Savior when some will say, Lord, we have cast out demons in thy name, we've done miracles in thy name. Depart from ye, from me, ye that workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's the most fearful thing you could hear from the lips of the Savior. I never knew you. Is that your position tonight? Now I will invite you to turn to Christ, to believe on him. Because when the sinner simply trusts in Christ, it is written over him, the Lord knoweth them, those that are his. Well, you say, well, you know, the story of Cornelius is, uh, uh, Cornelius is very interesting, but, you know, we don't read that he repented. Oh, yes, we do. Because as I read in chapter 11, when Paul goes back to Jerusalem and he tells the apostles and the other the Jews who were there what had happened, there was rejoicing. Why was that? Because God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. We don't have all the details, do we? But Cornelius repented, believed, and was saved. So we have the testimony of these three men the Ethiopian eunuch the apostle Paul and the Roman centurion Cornelius they were miles apart in their uh, circumstances their culture but the gospel of Christ brought them together to form part of the body of Christ Christ died to save sinners we would long this evening that this would be true of yourselves. Shall we pray? Our God and Father, we